Hello, this is Psychobabble, where we explore modern psychology through everyday experiences, the internet, books and movies, backed up by the newest psychological research available. My name is Henry, I'm a biologist. My name's Tim, I'm a doctor. And we both love psychology. Today we're talking about self-discipline and its importance for living an intentional life. We'll look at self-discipline through the lens of the one and only Terry Crews in his recent video, The Five Keys to Self-Discipline, and we'll move on to discuss each key in finer detail. So, Henry, have you seen this video? Yes, I have. I thought it was really entertaining. Um, to summarise it, first, Terry Crews introduces the idea of removing temptation, and then second, to eat regularly, third, don't wait till it feels right. Four, self-rewards to keep you going. And five, forgive yourself and move on when you fail. And that's really punchy. He delivered it in a wonderful way. And that's why I enjoyed it. And it also makes so much sense when you look at it like that. 100%. I think a lot of people are going to... They might just see Terry Crews and they might not take it too seriously. But actually... The structure and even the order of um, his keys is very well thought out mm. and it's quite sensible. Mm. Um, yeah, essentially, it's his own philosophy or his own um, methods for creating self discipline or maximizing self discipline in his life, right? Mm. Um, so, point one removing temptation. Mm. Um, so well, what, does that, what does that mean? What does that mean? Right. Say, for example, for me, my problem is whenever there are crisps at home or chocolates, anything sweet, anything particularly savoury, I will eat them all up in one day. It, it doesn't matter how much of it I've got. I'll eat it basically in a day, maybe two if I've got a lot, but it'll be gone. And this is supposed to last me perhaps a whole week or a month. Mm. So what do I do? I don't buy them at all. If they're not in the house, then I can't eat them. Mm. So the self-discipline for me starts by removing that temptation in the supermarket. I don't buy them. Mm. That's what helps me. Mm. And for Terry Crews, he gave an example. Don't get coffee from the donut shop. If you're trying to stop eating donuts, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, and I think, I think you're right. There's very very important and it applies to to everything everything in life um if you're if you want to study remove the things that stop you from studying mm. and it's very simple but it's necessary it's a setup it's a setup for you got to set the scene mm. enable yourself to maximally be self-disciplined mm. and the interesting thing about the thing i like is that it within it it accepts it's an acceptance that we are human and that we are prone to fail. Mm. Because if you ignore that, you don't optimize your chance of success. Mm. Mm. You know, if, you, if you don't acknowledge your failings and your weaknesses, mm. you can't counter, counterbalance them. You can't yeah, do yeah, exactly. Them, right? Yeah, I mean, if I was really, really optimistic about my ability to risk the, resist the chocolates that I've got, right? Well, I can be optimistic, but I'm still going to fail. I know that. I know that about myself. They're going to be in my house and they're going to get eaten up. That's it. There's no point being optimistic about the facts. The facts are, I will fail at this chocolate resisting thing. <laughs> I can't do it. I really can't. So, yeah, this honesty is important. And it helps you move on to, well, a better 
past, right? Mm, definitely. I think one thing you said to me a while back, which is very honest of you, and I really respect it, If you, I mean, if, tell me if you don't want me to share it, um, it's what you said to me about your relationship, because, you know, you're married, and you have mm. a beautiful baby girl, mm. and you were talking about your relationship with other women that mm. aren't, you know, that aren't your wife, mm-hmm. um, now that you are married. Mm. And you very honestly said to me that you don't uh, keep individual female friends, um, and you, d- you won't contact them first, mm. Uh, and you won't necessarily see them one-on-one. Uh, you won't arrange to do that. And, and if they're there at a group meeting, a gathering, that's fine. You know, mm. you'll, But you won't arrange any one-to-one stuff. And mm. I, I thought to myself, is that a great example of removing temptation? I mean, that's like cutting it off right at the bud. Not saying that you would be, but it's, I think, a very sensible way to deal with the minutest possibility. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And some people might say that's a bit too draconian. And maybe maybe it is for that person because perhaps that's not any one of their temptations. Do you know what I mean? So we're all a bit different. We've got different um, um, pushes and drives and whatnot. But for me, I think it, simplimi- it simplifies my life. I can just get on with what's important. And um, I don't really need to worry at all about me potentially slipping up or anything. I mean, it simplifies it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's not to say that other people should live like that. But I know what works for me. Mm. Definitely. And I think that's a really good, really good idea. I mean, I think um, another guy that we both love and who throughout this series will be repeatedly coming back to um, is M. Scott Peck. And he wrote a book called The Road Less Travelled, quite a famous book um, in the 80s or 90s, I think. And in it, he he puts forward his uh, philosophy of of self-discipline, or his, his kind of method for creating self-discipline and amongst other things so there's four there's four things four rules that he introduced and one of those is accepting responsibility and accept res- full responsibility for your failings for your potential failings and by doing that you are realizing that you have a lot more when it comes to your successes and your failures and temptations you have a lot more control than you think you do yeah yeah and it's just about nipping things in in the bud really um yeah so that that's the first that's the first first rule i think that's pretty self-evident and i think most of most of you if you're honest with yourselves or most of us i should say because we all struggle with it so it's a human phenomenon can identify times where you, you should, mm. if you want to avoid something, you should take another course of action, distract yourself, yeah. find something else you can do yeah. um, to take your mind off it, call a friend and make them aware, you know, of, often having, having that person a witness to what's going on can make it a lot easier because having that social pressure. Yeah. Accountability. Can, accountability. It's, it's a huge thing, right? Accountability. Mm. And so if you, you're feeling tempted and you're having difficulty removing those temptations, um, it, you know, become accountable. Like, you know, see your, um, get your friend to, to talk to you or, or spend some time with your friends, like organize something with your friends to, to stop you from feeling distracted if you're particularly distracted at a time. Mm-hmm. And as long as they know your goal and they're your friends, they will hopefully support you in that goal and they'll mm-hmm. kind of try and help you stay on the straight and narrow if you're mm-hmm. finding difficult d- difficulty doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. And um, then there's also this element of, um, instant gratification, right? Like, 
that's what our temptations are to us. They are mm. they are instant gratifications. We know we shouldn't take them, but but they're there. They're grabbing our attention, mm. Mm. and it's so hard to resist, right? Yeah, it's all that dopamine, isn't it? It's the yeah. it's the kind of the all the dopaminergic things, the things that give you that hit, that buzz, mm. that make you feel good. The reason they make you feel good is because they are connected to the reward circuit in the brain, mm. which is all about something that in you know times gone by would have been necessary for our survival so mm. for example a really obvious one is this food food is a big one mm. things that are calorific so sugary fatty mm. they're gonna have uh well anything with lots of sugar and fat to your body saying to your body oh, this is really calorie rich and because we we still exist in bodies uh, that you know came about thousands or hundreds of thousands of years ago when food was relatively scarce our body says to us this is really good you need more of it because you don't know when you're going to get your next mm. next hit and obviously there's variation between humans you know not everyone is the same not everyone has the same kind of uh famine attitude maybe mm. and that's that's a deeper biological discussion but at least for our purposes mostly we're programmed to to Get, get things that are scarce mm. while the, the getting is good. Yeah. And so, but because we live in a time of plenty, relative plenty of food, of mm. relations, mm. Um, and so on, it, it can be very easy, easy to overdose on those things. Mm. Um, mm. You know, drugs are there as well because mm. they tap into that same system. They give you that hit of dopamine and you keep coming back because it feels good. But that doesn't mean it's the right thing to do when it comes to moving forward in your life, mm. because it can, all those things can take on a level of salience in your life that can distract you from other things that you value. Mm. And so that's why it's crucial to delay your gratification, delay those, those things. And we'll talk about rewards in a little bit so that you can get the work done first and reward yourself later. Mm. And, Obviously, the obvious thing is, if you reward yourself too much, what does it do? Oh, yeah. So, we'll take the simplest thing, like alcohol, right? You get into alcohol, like in your student days, like I did. Okay, first all you need is one beer for a buzz. Later on, it's two beers for a buzz. Three beers, four beers, five beers. Next thing you know, you need more and more beers to maintain that buzz because your body is smart it reacts to the input and it changes the response accordingly. So we, we have like a system that becomes dampened by constant exposure to something and it messes up our dopaminergic uh, reactions in cases like, um, well, in very extreme cases, let's just say when you're playing too many um, very demanding video games right they can mess up your attention span mm. well you're on the right track definitely i mean any video games that are giving you constant dopamine hits you know all these very fast-paced video games they're so addictive mm. because you're constantly feeling good feeling good feeling good you know if you're playing count uh, not count strike um call of duty or something like that where you're killing <laughs> you know the goal is to like shoot and kill other players or other you know characters Every time you do that, and it's quite fast-paced, you're, always, you're getting another hit of, of, of dopamine and probably a little bit of adrenaline as well. And that is addictive. 
that process is addictive. But just like any anything else, like the alcohol, you become tolerant to it. Mm. Tolerance builds up, and then you need more. Mm. And where does that end? Mm-hmm. Where does that end? It doesn't. It, we just get more and more and more until we are addicted. Mm. And what you said about the attention, if you're so you're so in need of those dopamine hits because you become so addicted, you're going to be looking for them all the time, everywhere. Mm. You won't be able to focus on anything that you need to do mm. because it won't be giving you what that other thing could give you. Mm-hmm. And so that's why being aware is so crucial in all of this. You know, so being aware of where temptation lies the importance of instant gratification and accepting that it is, you know, we are human and that we have to accept responsibility Mm. for our, uh, like for our flaws. Mm. Um, and by doing that, we can avoid this dopamine cycle, this dopamine trap Mm. that the self discipline is where we can, is the, is the rod that we can just stick in between, uh, that cycle and we can cut it out. And we can start to measure out, meter out uh, rewards. Mm. And that's important. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But that's key. So I think to summarize, remove temptation at the the simplest level. But then consider uh, the importance of delaying gratification and what it does to your brain. And having, being able to delay gratification and do work, that, that, that serves everyone like throughout their whole life right mm, mm. and um so yeah i think that it's really important guys it's number one remove temptation okay if, if you like getting coffee don't get it from the donut shop if you've got a problem with donuts okay <laughs> okay uh number two eat regularly look after your basic needs and terry cruz has this really cool acronym for this called halt h for hunger a for anger L for loneliness, T for tiredness. Tiredness, there yeah. we go. Yeah, tiredness. And these are the low points that we have in our day that are potentials for us to slip up. Yeah. One way that we can help ourselves to not slip into these low moods or or states of mind is to eat regularly because Okay, sometimes your mood is regulated or impacted by what's happened to you in the day when somebody's been mean to you or something like that, of course. But shouldn't be underestimated some of the physiological impacts, right, of just diet on your mood, right? It's really important. And something as simple as getting enough water can have an impact. So get your food, eat healthily, and regularly... And that's the baseline covered. Mm, mm. And so long as you're covering the baseline, okay, then you can figure out what else perhaps might be, you know, causing you to to come to a lower point. But that baseline really needs to be better. Yeah, correct. Uh, I think we'll we'll probably in another episode further down the line we'll discuss hung, like app, um, diet and its and its importance in mental health. But at this point, just to stress what Henry's just said. You know the importance of eating regularly when you're at when you are at a low point. You know when your blood sugar is low, and you are going to be looking because that's the way we're programmed. We're going to be looking for food, mm-hmm. you know, and you're looking for some not just food but a dopamine hit. You're looking for something to make you feel better. 
because that's how we're designed. That's dopamine is a huge. The whole dopamine system, coming back to it, is a part of motivation. It motivates us. It's, we seek out something. You know, that's part of the seeking behavior. Is that dopamine? It's driving us to look for the thing that's going to reward us. Mm. And in that situation, it's food. So it's driving us out there to seek for food. Mm. If you're not looking after yourself by eating regularly and eating things, when we say healthy, on the scale of a low glycemic index on the glycemic index scale. So something which is going to release energy slowly over time. So you don't find yourself spiking and crashing. And if you're eating a lot of refined sugars, that's what you're going to be doing. You're going to be spiking and crashing. Guess what? When you crash, you're going to be more emotionally vulnerable. And you're also going to be more vulnerable to um, slipping up. If you're on a diet, if you're not eating regularly and things which are slowly reducing energy are going to give you a constant stream of energy you're going to be more um, prone to slipping up. Mm. And it also messes up your insulin levels, right? 100%. Yeah. yeah. And that has further implications um, in life. And we're talking about sugar and things like that. Um, not just in the immediate sense, you know, leading to more crashes, but also down the line, in insulin resistance and then type 2 diabetes. And that's something, you know, we'd all like to steer clear of. Mm. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, and then what's the next? So A, A is the next one, isn't it? So anger. Mm. Um, so when, when we're angry, I mean, what we're, we're kind of activated, aren't we? And when mm. we're not really using our frontal cortex, are we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's fight or flight. And um, our thinking is severely reduced, so we can do just that, fight or flight. Because um, it's not, well, sometimes it's useful when you're fighting or fleeing, to, to have some higher level thinking so you can, I don't know, do it better. But usually, at least in evolutionary history, you need to react now. Mm-hmm. So that extra half a second in that, that might be occurring if you're thinking in your frontal cortex, that might cost you your life depending on what kind of danger it is. You need to react now. And that means it's basically on an instinctual level. But nowadays, we don't really have these life-threatening situations anymore. You know, snake or, I don't know, Mammoth <laughs> or tiger. Uh, what you're, we have you're not, instead is you're not work. Often counting, so just just to, hmm. you're not often counting actual threat of death, are we? No, that's what you're really. saying, right? Yeah. No, no. Instead, we're encountering more like work pressure, mm. social pressure. That's sometimes making us angry, right? And um, unfortunately the pathway that our brain takes in that situation is still the same. The triggers are different, but the reaction is the same. Unfortunately, this reaction isn't what's going to really help us in this modern day and age. Mm. Not really. So, you know, like you were saying, when we get angry, we activate a part of our brain called the limbic system. And this is the kind of mammalian part of the brain, the brain that, the part of the brain that was evolved many millions of years ago um, with apes and chimps and we now have this decision maker this this kind of executive in our brain called the prefrontal cortex who makes all the sensible decisions and when you get angry you switch that guy off and when you switch that guy off how good do you think your ability to avoid temptation is going to be whatever that temptation might be if you're emotional so whether not just anger but anxiety mm. and depression or in a not so much depression but feeling in a depressed mood mm. it's going to put you at risk isn't it mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Because this ability to put aside instant gratification is quite clearly a prefrontal cortex activity. Yeah. It's putting things within a future context, mm. that which is best for you in the future and now, um, not just now. Yeah. Right now. It's very it's a very high level concept. Mm. And you know, something that we've talked about in terms of delayed gratification, but it's also something that Jordan Peterson talks a lot about mm. in his recent book, um, The Twelve Rules. And I mean I think we'd love to do a full episode on the Twelve Rules yeah. because it's an incredible book. But um, the, one of the things he talks about is sacrifice. Mm. So sacrifice now for dividends later. Mm, mm. And that's exactly what delaying of instant gratification is. Mm, mm. And so when we come now to you know, being in a vulnerable situation, if you're, if you're not um, allowing your prefrontal cortex to be in its like, d- decision-making optimal state or you're you know, cutting it out through being very emotional or whatnot, or at least you're, you're in... It's fine to be emotional. It's fine. We're, we're human beings. But let's say you are emotional. It's important that you become aware and you realize you're probably not in the best decision-making state mm. and you are vulnerable to not planning, to not, you, to not sacrifice now for later. Mm. You're vulnerable in doing something crazy now mm. because your decision-maker is out for the count. Yeah. It's currently the chimp who's in in control. Right, right. And I've got a wonderful um, little example that came from Jordan Peterson's book that fits this perfectly because you mentioned the limbic system, right? Mm -hmm. It's the mammalian brain from our chimp ancestors, really. So the key difference between us humans and, for example, monkeys is that when you get a jar full of sweets, right, and you let the monkey explore it and see ah there are sweets inside hmm let me grab it right let me let me see what i can grab so what it'll do is it'll put its hand through the very small opening only big enough for its hand its empty hand and it'll grab all the sweets it can and try to run off but this jar is really heavy and now that it has sweets in its hand it can't actually get its hand back out of the jar And that's how you've caught a monkey. Mm. The monkey will not let go of the sweets. It must have its instant gratification. It can't think of the future, which is let go of the sweets so you can escape this monkey catcher. Mm. Right? Sweets sweets another time. Yeah, sweets another time. Live live now. (laughs) It, it, It must have this thing. And that's it. Exactly. And so it gets caught. That's the end of the monkey. And that is beautiful. And that actually really works well. Because if you're angry... And yeah. you're in full-blown chimp mode. Yeah, you're going to get caught. You're going to get caught out. You're yeah. going to say something that wasn't intelligent, or you're going to do something that wasn't you're what really you wanted regret. to do. You're going to yeah. regret it, yeah. aren't you? Because you're going to slip up. Mm. And you're so you know. Think about when you're arguing. You're in an argument, mm. and you're trying to win the argument. You're not even about being discussing or or kind of finding some truth. Or it's not even about that anymore. It's about winning. Mm. And you get angry. You get really angry, and you don't want to let go of that fruit. You want to, you're holding on to it, you're holding on to that fruit, but then you're realizing that you're caught, you're trapped, yeah. and you've either said something wrong, you've, you've contradicted yourself, or you've just alienated yourself and you, everyone hates you. <laughs> so it, it, it's exactly like that. It's like the chimp with the, the and, and then by the time you realize what's going on, you've been caught. You know, that you're in that cage and the, the monkey catch has taken you away. Yeah. So, so it is, that is a really good analogy. Yeah. Um, and, and then, so what about L? L. Lonely. Ah, oh, feeling lonely. Mm. It's easy to grab something to, to 
to, I suppose, escape that existential despair yeah. that sometimes creeps up on some of us when we're lonely, right? So. so distract your. I distract myself sometimes. I like to um, binge watch YouTube sometimes when I'm lonely, and then hours pass by. Mm. It's horrible. Mm. It's horrible. And we do do that, don't we? We reach out for something mm. when when we're lonely, or to supplant that with something else. Bored, mm. lonely, or bored. We try to reach out for something, and again, what is it? Dopamine. Mm. We're reaching out for that dopamine, mm. and so the recurring theme that you'll see throughout this podcast and throughout when it comes to self-discipline, it's the control of your dopamine-seeking behavior. Often, most often, that's essentially what it is. And if you can meter that out, you learn a great lesson for life. And it's it's tough. I'm not I'm not a master of it, but I'm trying to be, and it takes it takes time takes time you've just got to make these behaviors a habit um which i think well well we'll come on to next but let's finish this one first Mm. so yeah loneliness you're looking for the dopamine Mm. you know human beings are very social creatures when we're not surrounded by other people Mm. there's probably we we get a bit low maybe our serotonin's a bit low because we're not getting that there are you know there are brain cells that, that are activated when we see other people and we're engaging with other people and we feel good. Uh, we like being around people the, for the most part. I mean, some people are like to be alone, like hermits and things that they do actually enjoy being alone. But most human beings are wired to be social animals. Mm. Um, so when we feel low, what do we do? We reach out for something to make us feel good. So be aware of that. Call a friend. Yeah, Again, exactly. That's what I like doing. Yeah. When I feel lonely, call a, friend, call a friend. And instead of watching YouTube for like an hour and a half or two hours mm. and wasting my life on that, I just call a friend mm. and maybe it's um, 15 minutes or maybe it's half an hour, but I feel so much better. Maybe two hours sometimes. So, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Epic conversations. Indeed. But, um, but I feel so much better and I've learned so much more and I've had a wonderful time with my friends. Um, yeah, that's way better than YouTube. Yeah, and guess what? I'm sure you feel a whole lot better than if you sat down watching two hours of YouTube. Because exactly. after watching two hours of YouTube, you might, if in the, in the meantime, you might have felt great. But after that, how shit do you feel? Yeah. Sorry, like, oh. pardon the language, but yeah. Yeah, there's, there's that sort of regret. Oh, no, what did I do? Yeah, oh, exactly. Why? It's like a coma, YouTube coma. You wake up yeah, and, it's a YouTube coma. <laughs> and you just kind of think, where has that time gone? Yeah. Okay, so then there's T. Mm. Tiredness. Tiredness. I don't know. I'm... <sighs> I'm really, I get particularly tired, you know, like from business trips or, or even when I'm starting or ending the holiday because of all the flights and trains and everything. I am tired. I just want to sleep. And sometimes if I'm forced to have to, I don't know, like be particularly sociable or, or do this or do that, I, I'm really not there. I'm not in it. I feel a bit low. I want to sleep. Exactly. So for me... In those situations, it's really best if I just go and sleep. Mm. Like, exactly. Otherwise, I get a bit, bit grumpy. Exactly. A bit grumpy. Yeah. So, tiredness. Yeah. If you, if you can't go and sleep, though, that's difficult. Sometimes we're at work and we've maybe yeah. asked our own fault. Maybe we've been. So, I mean, this is twofold. I mean, it's either don't get tired. So be aware. Like, go to sleep. Have a good sleep routine. It's mm. crucial. Crucial. In the there's a book called The Brain Always Wins, written by. Um, uh, great man called um, Dr. John Sullivan, who's a performance psychologist. And if you guys haven't checked out his podcast, check out his podcast, The Brain Always Wins. 
very informative, but he, they talk about it a lot more than we will right now. Rest and recovery and how important that is in setting the stage for your performance. Mm. And if you haven't, I mean, obviously, if you're tired, great, go to sleep if you can. But some of us will be at work that day. Yeah. And it's our own fault. We've not gone to bed the night before when we should have, have yeah. we? But, and we're tired. But what do we have to be aware? Like, if you can't change anything in that moment, what's the key? It's awareness, right? Mm. Because if you know that you're tired and you're liable to make some bad decisions, be aware of that. Start removing that temptation from, 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 from around you. You know, often when we're tired, we, we eat rubbish. We, we do rubbish. We, we get cranky and we snap. Mm. If we're more aware of ourselves, that's less likely to happen, isn't it? Mm, mm. Actually, one thing that helps me is um, when I'm tired and I can't get sleep because I'm at work or something, I do this this micro-sleep method, mm. which I learned, off, uh, learned online. You, you grab some sort of object that's going to make a lot of noise when you let it drop, and you keep your hand... Um, um, lax and slack but just sort of taut enough that you can hold that object Mm. right and what you'll find is when you're in a comfortable position and you allow yourself to just sink into your sleep right your hand will naturally let go of that object and it'll now fall to the floor make a loud noise what was that i'm gonna wake up so this micro sleep is perfect it it I don't know who found this out, but it was, it's, it's just amazing. Um, I feel really fresh from that. Yeah. It's like a quick it reset or something. It, 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 it is. It feels it like it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not going to solve all your problems, but no. it, definitely, it definitely does work. So, number three, don't wait till it feels right. So, what's he talking about here? Um, so, Terry Crews here is talking about not waiting for inspiration. So, when we do things... Uh, that are outside of our comfort zone, Mm -hmm. they probably feel, by nature of the beast, a little bit uncomfortable. And some of us might say, oh, it doesn't feel right. Yeah, I don't feel like running today. I was inspired yesterday, but not today. I'll run when I'm inspired. Exactly. And if you keep waiting for inspiration, what if it never comes? You're never going to start doing it. Yeah. So, And what kind of a... That's not... Is that control over your own life? That's not, is it? If your value is, I want to get fit, Mm. Try and get fit today. Yeah. It's not, and it's to be honest, you know what? We've all done it. You and I have both done it. Mm. Gotten fit and lost weight and things. It never feels good when you start. Mm. It, it always feels rubbish. Mm. You know, to, to be in a slight calorie deficit, to, mm. to, to, to start exercising hard. Mm. Mm. You know, you feel good afterwards, but when you start, you feel terrible. Mm. Mm. Right? Yeah, especially when you're working. It's like, I've had a long day. I can't be bothered. I don't want to do... You know, I don't want to lift my weights. Mm. Um, why not tomorrow? Blah, 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 blah. I mean, there are a thousand and one reasons. Yeah. Right? Always. And But it's about making it a habit and not negotiating with yourself in some cases because mm. you want to make a... It's a good habit mm. to work out, mm. let's just say, three times a week. Right? Yeah. So, and for me, I need to make it a golden rule. Bam. Tuesday, workout. Thursday, workout. Saturday, workout. No, no compromises. Compromises. It goes in your diary like a, like a like an appointment with somebody, mm. you know, like a job interview. Mm. That's the level. Like when you're looking after yourself, if, if if you want to perform consistently, you've got to treat yourself like something important, mm. and you've got to treat appointments with yourself like exercise as something important. Mm. Now, of course, there are things that come come above even job interviews, like 
family issues and personal problems, of course, no doubt. But in the average day, what happens more often than not, we just find some excuse. And so it's about removing temptation. So one is having the motivation and two is removing the temptation to not do it. So if all if you if you want to go for a run like I try to do, um, have your stuff laid out, have it laid out. That Terry Crews puts that forward. You know, have your workout gear laid out. Sense, it's a sensible idea, really, isn't it? Mm. And that way, when you get home, you just have to look at it. You put it on, no compromise. You go out. Mm. Mm. And I think we, we talked about something a while back. You know, so so you, you've prepared, then you've actually got to do it. And at that point, you've just, it's mind over matter, isn't it? Mm. And it's, you make a value decision, Mm. but then you have to be dogmatic with yourself. Yes. You've got to be, you've got to be the general. Yeah. You've got to be the general of yourself. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to order yourself around at some point. You know, when you, you know, you want to get fitter, there's no point discussing with yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, um, so, um, I thought about this, um when you mentioned removing temptations, right? So sometimes temptations are physical objects, um, like chocolate bars. Mm. But for me, right, when it comes to sport, I, what I noticed is that my temptation is, is usually those a thousand and one reasons that I find, you know, to not do the, the, thing. To the thing, you know, like working out. And usually what helps me, like, get past that is when I just try not even to entertain those thoughts. Because I know... If I start building up lots of reasons, it'll all of a sudden seem so reasonable. So, so, so I don't, I don't even try. Once I realize I'm on this track, I'm like, no, 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 don't think about that. Don't think about that. That's when you've got to think about the pros. Like the cons will pile up. When do they pile up the most? When you are hungry, angry, Mm. lonely, or tired. That's another reason to set the stage by looking after yourself Mm. is because all those excuses will become ever more present when you are any of those things Mm -hmm. and you're right because when those things are piling up your your positive motivation that that thing that that goal that like pure goal that like Mm. good um thing that you're doing for yourself it's like suddenly pales in comparison to this list of Mm. cons right Mm, mm, mm. so that's a crucial thing Uh, don't don't wait till it feels right do it now. Do it today. If there's something you want to do, do it today. Don't compromise with yourself. Don't discuss with yourself. If you've decided to do it, that's it. Yeah. See, the thing is, if it's a good goal, then the best part of yourself at a good time has made a rational and reasonable choice already. Mm. And now that you're in a bad mood, you find all sorts of reasons to, to sort of, you know, put it down. Yeah. But that's your worst self-talking. So yeah. trust in your good self that made that good decision earlier mm. and don't trust this deceiving... Yeah, it's so know, true, isn't it? It's like... It, it's, it's so convincing. It's, it's analogous to, the, to the, the devil and the, the angel on the shoulder, isn't it? Yeah. Whereas, but in this case, the analogy is the angel is your best self and the devil is your worst self. <laughs> and funny enough, the devil, the little devil on your shoulder, will come out when you are vulnerable. Yeah, yeah. When you're in a vulnerable state, where and the good, the best self, the angel is is there when you're in a when you're in a good place. Yeah, and that's, that's a really good point. You know, realize those negatives, those negative thoughts popping up mm. when you're vulnerable, and realize that that's not necessarily you. That's not your best self. Mm. And just don't don't debate. That's it. Just cut cut them off. Don't listen. Just get out there and go and do what you've got to do. Um, but. 
in order to motivate yourself though because it's it's hard it's hard we need rewards mm. that's what rewards are important mm. but when they become habitual and all the time they no longer become rewards they become an addiction so that's why you've got to remove temptation that's what we were talking about before and delaying instant gratification so rule four is uh, the importance of self-rewards um and terry cruz talks about you know keeping life enjoyable by not cutting out sweet foods you know all like forever but just have them in you know small moderation and guess what when you have them little little rewards like you know at but at, at appropriate times they will taste that much better they will feel that much better mm. you know you're going to become numb to it if you're doing it all the time mm. because you'll become tolerant to that dopamine spike mm. and but however it will be a positive motivation for what you're doing yeah yeah and there's also Okay, say your problem is sweets, right? Um, and you want to lose weight, for example. Um, your reward can be a sweet, no problem. But maybe you take a healthier sweet, right? How about a mango instead of a chocolate bar? How about that, mm. right? Because it's part of removing temptation as well, isn't it? Mm. Mm. And if you're tempting yourself with the very thing that you're going to yeah. avoid... Yeah, it's... and it, it makes no sense to reward yourself if you want to get rid of a pornography addiction with... Por- yeah, with <laughs> Why porn. would you do that? Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're just opening yourself to a whole can of worms that you don't... That's not going to help you. Yeah, that's it, not going to help. It's, yeah, it's not yeah. so it's, it's really got to be a reward that feeds back into the healthy habit that you're trying to form. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, Again, Jordan Peterson, um, in his book, talks about not being a tyrant uh, to yourself, but not being a slave either. Mm. I mean, don't get me wrong, there are times when you have to not negotiate with yourself. Yeah. But after those times, you have to reward yourself. Mm. You're being more like a loving father to yourself. Mm. Um, And I say father because, you know, in the archetypal sense, fathers are the disciplinarians. Yeah, you know, and, yeah. but but even a father will reward their child. Well, a not good father will reward their child yeah. for positive behavior, but they yeah. won't reward them for negative behavior. I mean, that's that's yeah. reinforcing negative behaviors, yeah. right? Yeah. So you've got to be like a kindly father to yourself, and you've got to be strict with yourself, disciplined, but reward yourself appropriately for when you behave right, like well. Mm. Um. So yeah, but how, how? What's crucial though? What's crucial? I mean. One of the things I find is that it's all well and good saying this, mm. but if you don't schedule these positive rewards, you don't necessarily do them. And then, you know, you, you don't have anything to look forward to that I think it makes it a lot more real, just like keeping these appointments for the discipline stuff to also keep the appointments for your for your positive stuff. Mm. And when I look at my calendar, I think, oh, there's some good stuff going on in this calendar. It doesn't, it doesn't feel so bad to then do some stuff, do some work as well. Mm. Because I know that there's going to be a reward at the end. Mm. You know, it makes it that much easier to, mm. to, to delay gratification if you know some gratification is coming down the line. Mm. You know, and, and you've got to work with yourself. Because mm. we are beings that need this kind of stuff. We are fallible human beings. So if you accept that you do need some level of reward, you're not going to be this kind of like, you know, horrible tyrant dictator to yourself and say, ah, you will never get any more sweets for the rest of your life. That's so bleak. You're not going to yeah. feel motivated. You'll be like, what's the point in living? <laughs> like, I'm not going to get any rewards for the yeah. rest of my life. All work and no play, right? Yeah, All work and exactly, no play. exactly, exactly. Um, and uh, the next part, the, 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 the other part about rewards. So schedule, so it's important to have rewards, 
to be kind to yourself, reward yourself for the good things you do, schedule them in so that they're there, like in stone, you know, mm. and you're definitely going to get it after you've done your work. And the third thing is it's actually been shown, you know, scientifically that often when we take a break from something, so let's say you've been working, studying for 40 minutes, when you take a break and do something else, your brain, the, the, all those things that you've learned, the, the, the new pathways that you're trying to build in the, in the brain, they start, to, uh, they, start, they start to work, you know, that things are being done in the background. And often there are great, loads of stories from the greats in, in, in history about they were working really hard on something. Uh, you know, let's say a thesis or something like someone like Kant or, or um, who was a religious walker. He would walk at the same time every single day. Mm. And he'd be thinking about one of his crazy, you know, metaphysical mm. concept. And he'd go out for a walk and he'd be struggling with something. And then he'd find that when he came back from the walk, it would be that much easier. Or he might even, the answer might come to him yeah. in, during the walk. And, it, and it's quite well documented and they've done studies now mm. on looking at the way in which these things come to us when we take a break mm. and how the brain continues to work on material that we, that we've kind of studied, um, even after we've stopped working on it. Mm. And this that's is, the Eureka moment, isn't it? Exactly. It's the exactly, Eureka, Eureka moment. moment. It's yeah. Archimedes <laughs> who, who's, who's studying all this, this density stuff all day long. Yeah. And then he sits in the bath and boom, it comes to him. Yeah. Right? This is the, this is the pre shower and enlightenment, right? Yeah. This, is the, this is the bath enlightenment. The bath right? enlightenment. <laughs> yeah. exactly, exactly. Exactly. But nowadays people get all their best ideas in the shower. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that, why is that? Because we're not focusing too hard on it. It's yeah. allowing our time, our brain time to digest it. Yeah. And, and there's also natural thinking that's, yeah. that, that gets activated and other, other stimuli. Mm. You know, sometimes you'll get an idea for something completely different mm. because it will stimulate your brain in a certain way and you'll see a pattern mm. that you didn't see before. Mm. Mm. Yeah, um, because that focused thinking, it's... It tunnel, tunnel, it's, it's like tunnel, tunnel vision. vision. Yeah, yeah, it's tunnel vision. Yeah. yeah. And it's good for when you really need tunnel vision. Of course, there are plenty of times where you need that tunnel vision, pure focus, laser-like. But, I mean, it always depends on what you're approaching and what Especially your Especially creative is. ideas, isn't creative it? Creative ideas, yeah. yeah. I mean, they need that kind of time to breathe, that, that, that lateral thinking. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's rewarding self and the importance of that. And finally, at the end of all of this, the end of all of this, right? We are human at the end. Mm. We are fallible. Mm. We cannot expect infallibility and to expect that is unreasonable. Mm. If anything, that is, if you refer to episode one, an absolute thinking yeah. style, right? If you say that you're never going to make a mistake, that's so unlikely mm. because the moment you slip up, you're going to feel terrible mm. because it's unreasonable expectation for yourself. Mm. You know, so we will make mistakes. And so what is the most efficient way to deal with that? It's to forgive yourself and to move on. That is the fifth key that Terry Cruz puts forward. And it's key in being efficient in the recycling process. Because we will slip up and it's how you deal with that. Mm. Dust yourself off. How you dust yourself off Mm. that makes a difference, right? Mm. Mm. Get up, dust yourself off, keep walking. Get back to it. Exactly. I mean... Rocky talks about it. It's not about how many hits you take. It's about how many times you get up. Mm. You know, it's all these, there's so many motivational speakers and posters and memes about this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's the truth. Yeah. And that reminds me of this wonderful M. Scott Peck quote about, like, the importance of 
love in self-discipline, right? Like if you don't love yourself, really, you know, then of course you won't forgive yourself. You'll be way too hard on yourself, like undeservingly hard on yourself, right? And then how are you going to get that discipline? How is that, how is that a positive feedback loop? Because it's just a destructive thing, right? Mm. So where's this quote, man? Let's have a look. Um, yeah, until you value yourself, you won't value your time. Until you value your time, you will not do anything with it. Mm. That's at the heart of this value, right? It's like a, a proper understanding, an honest appraisal of who you are, your positives, your flaws, and acceptance, and then to move on. Mm. At the heart of it is all self-love. Um, forgiving yourself, be kind to yourself. Um, you know that's why you get rewards because you know you're a human being. And if you slip up, still because you will slip up. It's it's while you're creating these pathways, which I we've got an analogy that we like to use, um, which Terry Crews has the analogy of, of, a, of a, a vinyl player and yeah. a groove grooves in a vinyl player and rewriting those grooves. The, the the thing we like to use is that the brain the brain behaves in a, an interesting way but every thought or every thing that you do is a pattern of incredibly complicated pattern but it's a pattern of brain activity now all all brain cells when they communicate they communicate via synapses and when the more that synapse is activated the, the, they kind of when i say a synapse it's just the space between two brain cells next to each other and one of them uh, produces a chemical which then gets received by the other one, which is the way they talk to each other. And the more often that brain cell releases a chemical and the other one picks it up, the, the, the stronger that connection is going to become, mm. you know, the better that brain cell is going to be at releasing and the better the other one's going to be at, at uh, receiving. Mm. And that, that gets reinforced. And if you imagine that across that, 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 um, that principle across the whole network of brain activity, Every time you have that thought or have be- like rehearse that behavior, it's like when you ride a bike, you know, you're getting better at it because you're reinforcing those connections in the mm-hmm. brain. It's becoming more instantaneous. It's becoming much more second nature, mm-hmm. right? So when it comes to building a new habit and self-discipline, it's going to take you time to, 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 to etch those patterns in. And the analogy is imagine you are drawing something on a piece of paper, right? Or, or, or like imagine you're making a chalk mural on the, um, on the pavement. The first time you do it, the first time you do it, it's going to be light lines, like just single lines, and it's going to be easily washed away and easily forgotten, right? And it's going to be harder to see the next time you come back to it. But let's say every single day you come back to that same space and you draw that same chalk mural over time, over not over periods of time, over every day that you come back to, to drawing that mural, you're going to etch things into the very, the very stone of the of the of the of the ground itself. With that chalk, you're going to make such thick lines that even you know time and um, you know weather will will not remove it straight away. It will become much more resilient to removal, and that pattern will be etched into the very surface. Of, of the stone, which is essentially the, the material of your brain. That's the analogy, that mm. you're etching something into your brain. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you've got to keep working at it. Yeah, yeah. So what we don't want is to etch these bad patterns, right, into the ground or basically into our brain, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so 
we etch them into our brain, these bad patterns, by continuing to indulge in these bad behaviors. Yeah, so yeah. just let them go. Time will do its work. And because they're not being used, they start to disappear. Mm-hmm. So, But it's not enough to just let go because it's become a habit. Of course, we keep coming back a little bit here and there, you know. But hopefully, if we're doing our best to not just get rid of this habit, but actually replace it with a better habit, mm-hmm. then what we're doing is we're spending more time on a really wonderful, beautiful carving, right? And just letting this other thing disappear. Mm-hmm. And of course, that it is a habit because we've, we've been doing it for so long and we'll be naturally gravitating towards it because it's just the usual but that's part of the acceptance. Accept that it's going to be a difficult process. Exactly. It won't happen overnight. Just keep working on this other thing that's really good for you. And it'll, ha- it'll happen with diligence, patience, and forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. And that, so that's the cornerstone, guys. The cornerstone of it all is being kind to yourself and accepting that you are just a human being. And like Henry very well put, while those bad habits fade those good habits build there's going to be time where you're slipping up so just forgive yourself all right so those are the five keys and we've come up with a bit of a summation of those things in our own in our own words to kind of summarize terry's rules and other things in 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 the the mix number one set the scene so remove that temptation look after yourself set the scene for your self-discipline all right number two take action Tell yourself what to do. Don't wait till it feels right. You know, grab, 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 seize the day. You know, don't wait. Reward yourself and finally be kind. And it's, it's, I mean, they're very similar, but essentially by, by using that simple structure, you can, you, you can apply self-discipline in your life. Um, and I think we'll, we'll end on a quote here by M. Scott Peck, um, whose book I'd highly recommend, The, the Road Less Travelled. Um, Now I am Scott Peck, what a master. Quote, The feeling of being valuable is a cornerstone of self-discipline because when you consider yourself valuable, you'll take care of yourself, including things like using your time well. In this way, self-discipline is self-caring. End quote. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks. And until next time, look after yourselves. Goodbye.